This is Hope Lab, an experiment in following Jesus into where we live, work, and play. Good morning, everyone. It's Drew from Hope Lab, and this is the recording from our teaching time at the beginning of Experiment 2. We're calling this Lord of the Harvest, where we're looking to learn how to join God in our world, where we live, work, and play. We'd love to have you participate with us. If you have the Hope Church app, the notes for this are one of the tabs at the top. Uh, It just says Experiment 2 Notes. You can follow along, fill in the blanks, and email that to yourself or to someone else. We'd love to have you participate. Send us a word. Uh, Send us an email or something through Facebook or even through the app and let us know that you're going to participate with us. Hope you have a great month experimenting with following Jesus where you live, work, and play. So we're starting the notes. The first tab at the top is experiment two, joining the Lord of the Harvest. That's going to be our experiment for the month. So we're going to talk a little bit more about this passage uh, as well as reading two others that kind of help us really think about what's going on. Um, so I'm going to start off. We get up there, Chuck? Okay. Uh, I'm going to start off reading just the first part of Luke 10 again, where Jesus says, um, in verse 2, he told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. Um, And then in John 5, verse 19 and 20, Jesus is answering for uh, healing somebody on the Sabbath. I preached on this a few months ago. But he says, very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these so that you will be amazed. And lastly, in John 20, as uh, Jesus is resurrected and appears to the disciples, um, he says to them, uh, on the evening that, that first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After this, he showed them his hands and sides, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. I want to start with those three ideas um, as just like a basic teaching place for us to start. Um, we think about this, this will be a cliff, and this is somebody looking out over the cliff. And we'll say this is the harvest, right? Bunch of tall, spiky grass things. Um, when Jesus is sending his people out, he starts off with this picture of the harvest being white, being ready. Uh, and our first um, teaching point tonight is that the problem in the work of, that Jesus is doing in the world. The problem has never been that there's not a harvest. The problem is not a lack of harvest. The problem is a lack of workers. And so when Jesus gathers the 72 to send them out in pairs, 
he starts with this idea. He wants them to wrap their minds around this. Especially in the way that he was sending them with very little in pairs to be dependent on God to take care of them out in the world. They needed to know that the problem wasn't harvest. The problem was a lack of workers. That's a really significant thing for us to think about when we start thinking about what it means to be the people of God in the world. That God has a harvest that is already ripe, that he has already been at work in the world doing stuff. And the problem has never been that nothing's happening. The problem is there need to be people to help gather that up. Point number two, when you lack workers, you lose the harvest. If I had 100 100 acres of corn, it doesn't matter how great the crop is. If I don't have people that can bring it in, it's worthless. And so when Jesus talks to his disciples, he's kind of outlining this issue. This is plentiful, but the people who are going here are not. And so he decides to remedy that by not just praying for workers, but calling and sending workers out. He tells them first, you need to pray to the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send workers out into his harvest field. And the very next word is go. Go. Pray for workers and then get up and go. He has that urgency that Chuck mentioned. And so, number three, Jesus doesn't just pray for workers. He calls them and he sends them. When we talk about calling in the church, when we talk about, um, you'll hear me say this phrase a lot, the fact that we are already sent by God everywhere that we go. Uh, it's, real, it's a really simple concept. Um, most of the time when we talk about calling, we think about calling as far as like a big life plan that God might have, where there's almost like a map where he's like mapped all the details out. We want to make sure we hit the right places at the right time. And, you know, like they're like gas station stops. You got to, you know, fill up at the right places and we get the right place. Where really, the bigger picture of what God is doing is, has to do, one, with that he is redeeming the whole world. And two, that everyone that he calls, he calls for the purpose of joining him in doing that. Like the shape of your calling looks redemptive. It looks like what Jesus' life looks like. Jesus came and was obedient and offered his life to be obedient even to the point of death so that people could be redeemed. And it's like, what does it mean to follow Jesus? Well, it looks like that, plain and simple. And while, yes, I do believe that Jesus could map out your life in front of you, I don't think that most of the time that's what the Holy Spirit's doing with us. Instead, he's wanting to forge in us the character of Jesus and the actions of Jesus to the people right around us. Uh, in the local and the ordinary parts of our lives. For us to be called and sent is really simple. It's for us to realize that everywhere we go, the problem is not the harvest. The problem is who's out here working? And am I willing, as someone who is already called, I've been called to Jesus, but I've also been sent by Jesus, as we read, Jesus tells his disciples, as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. And he breathes on them the Holy Spirit. That idea 
that what you need to go in the same way of Jesus is the presence of God going with you. Uh, And this is all the more cool when we start thinking about what Jesus said in John 5. Number four, the Father is already working in your world. When Jesus starts explaining why he healed somebody on the Sabbath, he doesn't start with, well, I'm Jesus. He doesn't even start with, well, this is what I've come to do to restore things. He says, I only do what I see my Father doing. The core part of Jesus' faithfulness is the relationship he has on his Father, where he says, primarily the thing that I'm doing in the world is I am joining my Father in what he's doing in the world, which means God is always going before us. And just like Jesus' life, if Jesus' entire life was the Father's before me, doing a work, and I'm joining him in his work. And everywhere I join him in the work, amazing things happen. Why? Because the kingdom of God comes near. And then he says, as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. You're being sent as a person to join the Father in what he's already doing. And this is incredible, but it makes the primary part of what we are called to do a radical dependence on knowing what the Father's up to. This is why the whole foundation of what we're doing right now with this hope arrow thing, right, has to do with two things, the presence of God and the presence of other people. How do we figure out what God is doing in our world? Well, you have to spend time with God and you have to spend time with people. When you get those two things together in conversation, it starts to become very evident where God is at work and where he's not. As we've already had stories share, that I, the thing that Becca was sharing about walking into a house and like, you can tell there's a piece there or not. How do you know that? Well, it's you're the discernment of the Holy Spirit, but it's also the fact that God is already at work in the world. And the places you go where you sense that peace, it's because God was there before you, right? You ever been in a conversation and all of a sudden God shows up? Tyra was at the post office. God was there first. And God was basically like, I'm gonna do my thing. Join me in the work right here at the post office. Join me right where we are. Number five, being a worker means joining the Father where he's already working. That's what it means to be called. That's what it means to be sent. We don't have to make it very complex. We don't have to make it about discerning this divine roadmap that God has, it's really, really simple. You pay attention to the Father and you pay attention to people and you see where those things intersect and you just be like Jesus. And in the places where you can't, that's the places where God's transforming and changing you. It's the place where we learn to cry out and say, God, I I can't be like Jesus to this person. You're gonna have to change me if that's what you're asking me to do. And he's like, you know, cracking his knuckles saying, all right. Because I'm not, he's not worried about the divine roadmap. He's worried about making you like Christ. And I use the word worried, that's not even true. He's not even worried about it. He said that the work he started, he will complete in you. Are we willing to welcome that to happen through joining Jesus in our world Number six, you're sent in the same way as Jesus. Jesus, if we wanna make this 
heaven and this earth, this is what Jesus did. Boop. Right? Jesus, being in equality, having equality with God, did not consider it something to hold on to. But he emptied himself. He humbled himself. He became nothing. And this, where everybody else is, this is one of the moves that the church struggles the most to do. If this is church, right, and this is everywhere else, this is the problem that we often see, that we can see this and we can pray for this, right? But after Jesus says, pray for it, what's he say? Go. And that's the big challenge. That's where we turn the corner from this being um, just about our own spiritual growth to us actually being on mission with God in the world. Because you can have great spiritual conversations with church people all day. You can open the scriptures, you can pray and listen, you can eat with church people, you can bless church people. And that's not bad at all. But if it stays there, if we never stop and say, where is the harvest already white and how do I be a worker there? Whew. If we never ask that question, we never really start doing the Jesus stuff. We have to go to the bar and drink our Coke. We have to have those conversations in settings that you're not supposed to talk about Jesus, right? Because Jesus is supposed to stay in this room. Well, here's the bad news for everyone who thinks that. He's already out there doing stuff. He's up to things. And so our experiment this month is gonna be really simple. I'm gonna spin this around. Woo. I'm glad that worked, because if it didn't, I would've looked silly. So, you're already sent. As the Father sent Jesus, so you are already sent. If you listened to the podcast this past month, on Fridays I talked about people in places. Um, this month's experiment is gonna be about people and places. Uh, there are three places where we naturally have relationships. I call them spheres of relationship. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna draw these. You good Venn diagram, right? Then the middle's you, because all these circles intersect with you. But this basically the places where you live, where you work. And what I'll say, I call it, I always call it play, where you live, work, and play. Um, play spaces are just basically spaces where you spend time with people that aren't your neighborhood or your job. Uh, so it could include hobbies, it could include sporting events. If you have kids, uh, I have one of my disciples, one of the guys who disciples me says, kids are sticky relationally. Like basically, where there's kids, there's parents, and there's other kids and other parents. And like one of my new circles of relationships is Cub Scouts because Landon's a Cub Scout now. So every time I go to a Cub Scout meeting, I'm around Cub Scouts and I'm around Cub Scout parents and I'm around people who like to do Cub Scouty things. And so that's one of my circles of relationships that is now a place that in all three of these circles in your world, guess what? The harvest is white already. And God is at work already. And so this month, we're gonna to try to answer these questions by adding one simple thing to our life. These two questions, how is God already at work in these places and how do I join him in this work? So experiment two, knowing your harvest field. The first thing you're gonna do is you're gonna keep doing the hope arrow thing. 
One, because you are a branch and God wants to grow you. And this is a great way to make room to pay attention to God and pay attention to people. So keep doing this. And again, this isn't a a legalistic thing where you need to beat yourself up if you don't eat with two people a week or whatever. This is just a good measuring stick for you to say, am I being available to the Lord? Am I being available to my world? But then, once a week, I want you to spend just one time a week, spend 15 or 20 minutes in one of your spheres of relationships. Spend time intentionally praying to see how God is at work around you and what it means to join him there. So your first week, I want you to spend time in your neighborhood, the place where you live. Don't sit in your house. Go walk. Walk around your neighborhood. If you live on 70 acres by yourself somewhere, then go to a place that you feel like is a part of your neighborhood where you can do some walking. Push comes to shove, go to whatever Main Street is and walk there. But spend some time praying and thinking the four things that you're gonna do, and there's, um, on the app, there's a tab, the second tab down on it says, um, here, let me pull it up so I don't I get it wrong. Uh, let's see here. It says, my three circles. And these four questions are there with places for you to type, and you can email it to yourself or to me or to both of us or to anybody else. The first thing you do as you walk that space and you pray, I want you to name the people who occupy that space. Pray for your neighbors. Like week one is the place you live. So pray for the people who live around you. If you know them, pray for them by name. If you don't know them, pray for them. And pray that you might learn their names because that's part of being a neighbor. Number two, name the ways that you see the kingdom of God already at work in that place. No place in the world is completely absent of the work of God. If your neighbor does lawn care and their, lawn, their landscaping is just gorgeous, beauty is a part of the kingdom of God. So praise God for that. Name any way that you see neighborliness, love, truth, any way that you see the kingdom of God. All. And if you're just... The fact that people can breathe the air there is, you can start with that. That's one win. The people are not immediately dying because there's no oxygen in your neighborhood. It's there. But name ways that you see the kingdom of God already present. And then number three, name ways that you see the need for the kingdom of God in your neighborhood. And number four, ask these two questions. God, how are you already at work here? And how do I join you as a person who's sent here? Because in your neighborhood, the fact that you live there, let's just trust the sovereignty of God, that was on purpose. So your neighbors are on purpose. Again, can you make them a person of peace or not a person of peace? No. But you have to pay attention in order to join God's work and what he's doing. So the first week, you're gonna do the place where you live. Second place, you're gonna do the place where you work. Same question. The third week, you're gonna pick one of the spaces where you play. Now, that, this is the hardest one to define, but it's also the broadest, so you can pretty much make anything work. So if you are gonna go to a UK football game, then pray at the UK football game. If you're gonna go watch the football game with some people at their house, 
do it there. If you're sitting in the stands of a sporting event, do it there. If you're going to a Cub Scout meeting, do it there. If there's any other place where you're like, this is the place where, if you're going to Kroger and you're like, this is the only place I see other people that aren't at my house or at church, do it at Kroger. But take 15 minutes and just like be there on purpose and pray and ask the Lord, who are the people who are right around? One of the, I've got friends in ministry that has been a real encouragement to me who, um, they're like, I'm a preacher, so all of my, like, my workspace is my church space, and my church space and my workspace overlap, and I don't, you know, so they're like, where do I meet people if I'm not, because I'm always at the church, and then I go to church, and then I go to church more. <laughs> they're like, where am I? And so what they do, like, one of these guys has two different spots where he eats breakfast, once on Monday, one on Mondays and one on Thursdays, and he'll go and spend, like, an hour and a half there. And the workers there, and then the anyone who comes in and out, he's praying for them. And of course, like any spot, there are regulars. And if you go at the same time regularly and find the other people who share those habits, pretty soon you start to interact. Uh, he's got another place in his city where he's doing that, and now has like seven guys that he's discipling that he's just met at this place. Like just from being there and being present, and being like, you know what, God's already at work. I just gotta put in the time and pay attention. So this month, once a week, I'm just gonna ask you to put in 10 to 20 minutes and pray and pay attention. It could be that in the midst of doing this, you find people to have conversations with, or people to eat with, or people to bless, or as you're praying and listening to the Holy Spirit, steps that you need to make with people in your life become clear. I don't know. Week four, it's your choice. Pick a circle, go for it. But it's really simple. Those four things. You can use the form in the app to record your thoughts if you wanna share it. Obviously, you can always email those things to me. I'd also encourage you to email it to somebody else who's doing this. Uh, I feel like accountability and just like encouragement from other people is a great way to keep going with this. Uh, and of course, we'll keep the podcast coming. I don't know if, I know that, Probably like every one of them had like 20 or 30 downloads. So I know some people were listening to him. Um, but on Mondays, we do a time in scripture. This month will be all in Luke 10 again. Wednesdays will be a prayer, kind of like our prayer time on Sunday mornings. It'd just be something for you to listen to and you can press pause and pray and then press play and pray about other things. Um, and then Fridays will be about the experiment. Um, so this first Friday will be about the place where you live. So any questions? about the experiment for this month. Good. Well, cool. Well, what time is it? I'm letting you out 12 minutes early. Well, to tell you what, before you go with the person you repaired with, I want you to pray for their experiment this month. Pray for the people they'll meet. Pray for them to have ears hear from the Lord and eyes to see how they can join with him in their circles. And if there's something that you want your neighbor to be praying for you for this month, your partner, just ask them to pray for you. I'll pray with each other and we'll be done. Thank you guys so much for being here. 
Thanks for joining us today on the Hope Lab podcast. If you're looking for more resources to join us on this journey, check out hopecommunitychurch.net. The Hope Lab tab at the top will have resources there. Or go to your app store and type in Hope Church Frankfurt or Hope Church Lawrenceburg. Our free app from Subsplash will pop up there. There's a resource there under the ministries tab that has everything that you're hearing here, plus so much more, including recordings from our Hope Lab gatherings. We'd love to resource you there. And we're also putting together a Facebook community. Uh, look for me on Facebook. My name is Andrew Cosby. There's a group called Hope Lab, and we would love for you to be a part of that as a way to connect with other people who are making these same steps to make room to follow Jesus into where they live, work, and play. Thanks for being with us. This is Hope Lab.